0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. you the Word of God, if you're watching by live stream, we are honored to have you here with us. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Luke, chapter number seven. Now we are rapidly getting to the end of our series here on the fear of the Lord. We've still got two weeks left. And so... To start today, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Do my behaviors do they resemble my beliefs? Does my private life look similar to my public life? And and when I I think about this, what what do you do when no one else is looking? In other words, what do you do when the only one that'll know what you're doing is God? So just real quickly, let me tell you this little story. I I was playing golf a month or so ago, and at the end of the round I was in the golf cart, I was by myself, but in the back of it, it had two jackets. One was a brand-new North Face jacket, and the other was a brand-new Callaway-lined pullover jacket. And so when I returned the cart, I, I looked at the young girl who was the attendant, and I said to her, I said, I, I need to take those two coats back to the pro shop and turn them into the lofts and found because they're not mine. And she just stared at me. Her, her eyes never blinked, never. And she had the look like, why would you do that? Who would know that you took those? What she didn't realize is God would know. And those are things that I'm talking about that many times the the fear of the Lord will cause me to make godly choices. And so we've heard it say, the fear of the Lord produces wise and healthy actions. The fear of the Lord brings strong confidence. So we begin here in in Luke chapter 7. And I'll start here in verse 22. And just to give you an idea of what's going on. John the Baptist is trying to figure out if Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. So he sends his his disciples. And in verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you've seen and heard, that the blind see the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And Jesus said, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, what a warning here. Blessed is he who's not offended in me. That word offended there has the meaning is blessed who doesn't stumble because of me. That must be an opportunity. Blessed is he who is not hurt because of me. Resentful because of me. Annoyed because of me. And so this must be something that the Lord is warning us that when you serve him, you better get ready. Verse number 24. When the messenger of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? And so I looked at that, a reed shaken by the wind. Now in my mind, I looked and I thought, what the crud is that? What's the meaning of that? Listen to what that means in the Passion Translation. Did you expect to see a man who would be easily influenced and shaken by the shifting opinions of others? Wow. So do I live with the fear of man that would cause them to influence and shift my opinion? So it gives me a little bit of an idea right here that even John the Baptist was gonna experience intimidation, opposition, and even fear from men. So if John the Baptist experienced that, what about me and you? Turn to Acts chapter four. And as we get to Acts four, this is a passage of Peter and John. And these two men of God have just become filled with the Holy Spirit. And I mean, they are teaching the Word of God and the religious uh, rulers, the elders, the scribes, the high priest they aren't happy with them. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, Peter and John said there's, there's no second choices. Jesus, you are the one, you are the only one. Now, if I believe the word of God in this area, and I do, I believe there's only one way to the Father. There's not multiple ways to the Father. And we're having that more and more in our society that there's a lot of ways to to God. Not according to my Bible. Now, if you live that way and you believe that way, you might as well get ready. You're going to face opposition. It's okay. It's nothing new. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, That They saw the boldness. They saw the courage. They saw the confidence. The boldness means to act without fear of man. I don't bow to the intimidation of man. I don't allow peer pressure to dominate me. So when he saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and that they realized that they had been with Jesus. Now, boldness isn't the point Knowing Jesus is the point. But boldness is a byproduct of knowing Jesus. When you know Jesus, you realize, you know what? He is the only way, the truth, the life. And so I, I don't change. So Peter and John are going through life with this. And these religious leaders threatened them. And they said, do not preach the word of God or teach in the name of Jesus. Now let me ask you that. If you were faced with that dilemma, what would you do? Would I bow to their threats? Would I bow to the intimidation of man? So let's look what happens. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that we may speak your word. Boldness is courage to press through even in the face of fears. So they said, us, Lord. Now let me ask you something. When is the last time you prayed that God would grace you with a boldness? And if you'll note, he said, the boldness to preach the word. Courage to speak the name of Jesus and not to make everyone happy. A boldness to preach the word of God that doesn't bow to the intimidations of man regardless of the cost. Verse 30. But stretch out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with Boldness. Cheerful courage. They they didn't become a coward and they didn't yield to timidity right here. And so here, boldness it resembles or denotes a divine enablement that came from the Holy Spirit. So again, we begin to see something immediately. You live for the name of Jesus and you preach the word of God, you're going to experience intimidation for man. You're going to experience some threats, some opposition. Go with me way back into the, the Old Testament. there toward the beginning to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And so as we turn there, this is a passage about King David. And I personally believe King David experienced more opposition, intimidation, and fear of man than anybody in the Bible besides the Lord Jesus. So we review last week, just a little bit here. Remember, he faced the fear, the intimidation, the opposition that came from his dad, from his brothers, from King Saul, and even from Goliath. But it always takes a Goliath to reveal a David. You may tweet that one, okay? It takes a Goliath to reveal a David. So King David has experienced this over and over and over. So right now, when we get to 1 Samuel 30, he's still the anointed king. He's not the king. He's the anointed king. He is running for his life from King Saul, who's wanting to kill him, and he even runs to their arch rival the Philistines and they don't even want him so we pick up 1st Samuel chapter 30 verse 1 now it happened when David went and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south at Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and they burned it with fire so we gotta look at a couple things here it's interesting That it says to start with that David and his men. Who's his men? These are 600 men that were a bunch of nobodies. In society, they were viewed as losers. No one wanted these guys. But King David said, I'll take them. And I'll put them under my wing. And I'll show them what it looks like to be a godly man and how to live for God. That's who these men are. He's in a place I'll call Ziklag. Ziklag would be a place that would be defined as adversity, it's a place between prophecy and destiny. I believe personally when I read this. Every person at one time or another is going to experience ziklag. And what I mean by that, it's going to come to a place in your life where the only person you can lean on is Father God. Can't lean on my mom and dad in ziklag, can't lean on my spouse in ziklag. And what you're going to see in here, you can't even live off of 600 men that you were good to. Keep reading, verse 2. And so they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. And they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So what this is talking about. David and his men are gone on a three-day raid. While they're gone, this group of Amalekites who were a bunch of terrorists. They attacked Ziklag, verse 3. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire. Now note, their city is burned with fire. So let's just say that one day you've gone on a little trip, and you're gone for three days. And you come driving back into Lubbock and you get into the city limit. And once you hit the, hit the city limit, you not only see smoke, but you begin to smell it. And you're wondering, what, what's going on here? And so their city's burned with fire. And their wives, their sons, and their daughters have been taken captive. They're taken hostage. So, what happens with David? Verse 4. Then David and the people were with him. They lifted up their voices and wept, and they had no more power to weep. Their only outlet for the anger and the fear that they were experiencing was they wept until they had no more strength to weep. They didn't deny their humanity. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time to, to, to cry and a time to laugh. Now, let me highlight something here. These guys that are crying, these are not weak men. These are not a bunch of sissies. These guys didn't have a problem with cutting your head off, okay? And so, this is life with what's happening to them. They're so brokenhearted. Verse 5. And David's two wives, he the Hennonon, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, they'd been taken captive. It's a hard day. It's a sad day. It's a mad day. It's, it's a bad day. And the reason I say that, that every one of us in this room, we've experienced some bad days. But I don't know that I've ever experienced a day like that. Let me just walk you through this. Your house is completely burned to the ground. All your possessions are gone. Your bed, your favorite pillow, your teddy bear, Your clothes, your shoes, your refrigerator. All the pictures and memorabilia of your home, gone. And the the hardest thing is your most prized possession. Your wives and your children. All wiped out. Victory is not the absence of trouble. Victory literally means success in trouble. So do you know in life, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to experience success. Not always easy, okay? And just because life isn't easy, I can't quit. I, I believe this will be unanimous. Here we are the last month of the year. Have any of you in here experienced any adversity in this year? If you, if you didn't raise your hand, it's either one of two things. You're an incredible liar. Or you're extremely deceived, okay? Hmm. So we all experienced adversity. This is Ziklag. So here King David is thinking... Can life get any worse? Can my crisis get any worse? Verse 6. Now David was greatly distressed. Not a little bit, but greatly. For the people spoke of stoning him. Whoa, Whoa. The people spoke of stoning him. Now he's experiencing the fear of man, the opposition, the intimidation that came from people that he viewed as his friends. He's betrayed by people he was good to. So the crisis is elevated. Now, have you ever been betrayed by someone that you thought was a friend? And that stings. That pierces us to the heart. I remember years ago, I told this older pastor, I said, Yeah, I believe I'm called to be a pastor. And he said, I'm sorry. And I said, Why do you say that? And he said, Because you're going to experience the greatest opposition, rejection, and betrayal you've ever experienced. And I thought, Yeah, right, pal. He was right. So right here we begin to see he's betrayed by his his best friends. Verse 6. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. The word grieved there literally means they were bitter. And the root of bitterness is a killer. Doesn't matter who you are. If I live with a a root of bitterness, it it will kill me. So literally, you know what they said? It's David's fault. The peril of leadership. I got to blame someone. And David, you're the leader. And it's your fault. But when I read into this, he lost everything just like they did. He's brokenhearted. So now David is at a place called the gateway to fear that I believe that he's talking about here. And two things begin to happen, trauma and drama. Does trauma, does it define you right now? And it's real. What's the trauma of his life? Man, I've lost my wife and my kids. I've lost, so he's experiencing trauma. But the drama in his life is the result of the fear of man. Both are real. And both of them are sent from the enemy designed to stop God's destiny for your life. And and so when I look at this, when I'm bombarded by trauma and drama, it tries to steal my identity and it also affects your decision making. How many of have ever looked and I thought, golly, my decision making is horrible right now. It could be a result of trauma and drama. So when you look at this in this place called Ziklag, it's like this is David's worst nightmare. Could that define me right now? Think about this with David. Every direction that he turns. It's like it's the worst nightmare of his life. And some of you right now be saying. That's me pastor. That's how I feel right now. I I feel like this is a nightmare. I, I feel like trauma and drama are tag teaming on me. Well I got good news for you. If we'll watch what the Bible does here. Instead of bowing to the peer pressure and the fear of man, we gotta study what King David does here. The end of verse six. But David, but David. Now all the rest of the men are full of bitterness. But David, he strengthened himself in the Lord is God. He doesn't go into depression. He doesn't pull the sheets up. He doesn't uh, wave a white flag of surrender. He doesn't start drugging himself. The Bible says that he strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that mean? The Amplified said he encouraged himself in the Lord. I'll bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth, even the bad day, the worst day of my life. And when it says he encouraged himself in the Lord, I believe he began to rewind, and he began to remember all the things in his life. That I, I remember when I was a shepherd boy, the faithfulness of God with the lion and the bear. I remember the faithfulness of God even with Goliath. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So instead of doing it like man would say to do it, he said, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. You remember last week if you were here, there was a word that defined him. It said he was ruddy. He was warlike. You know what I believe began to happen? He began to remind himself when that ruddy was alive in him. And I believe he began to say, Lord, strengthen me with that ruddy. In other words, I don't bow to the fear of man, and I sure don't bow to the fear of the enemy. And so he strengthens himself in the Lord right here. He made God bigger than his fears. That's the first thing he did. Keep reading. Verse 7. And David said to Abathar, the priest of Himelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. Now the ephod, guys, was a a priestly garment is what this meant. And Abathar knew when David asked for the ephod, you know what that means? He's going to get in the presence of the Lord. When David looks for the ephod, that means he's going to get on his knees. And he's going to start singing. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. Now, it's been said this. that when he needed to seek God, he would ask Abathar for the ephod. When he needed to go to war, he would look to Joab and say, come on, buddy, we're going to go kill somebody. But in this situation, he said, bring, please bring me the ephod. Now watch what happens here. Verse number eight. So David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of the Lord. I believe in my own life. This is where I've missed it at times. I inquire of the Lord before I strengthen myself in the Lord. You know what I'm saying here? Many times we run to God And say, I gotta pray, I gotta pray. God, you gotta bail me out, you gotta bail me out. Where God's saying, first of all, strengthen yourself in the Lord. First of all, get your heart right. First of all, make sure that you're doing it my way. First of all, make sure there's no bitterness in you. Make sure that you're not plotting vengeance or revenge. Get your heart right. But too many times, the first thing I do is, I pick up the phone and I call 911 to God and say, God, you got to move. And the Lord said, no, pal, you got to strengthen yourself in me. Get your heart right. So God's not against us inquiring, but I began to look at this and I thought, he strengthened himself in the Lord. Then he inquired of the Lord. You know what the word inquire here, it means? I need direction from God. I'm asking, any of you need some direction from God? Oh, I need direction from God. So he inquires of the Lord. And he says, Shall I pursue this troop? Question mark. God, look at that. Shall I pursue this troop? I, I, I think with me and you, we would almost look like. That's a no-brainer. That that means to pursue him. That means I'm going after my wife and my kids. Why why would I need to ask that? But it's interesting to me, before King David made a a slight move, a a tidbit move, he asked God what God wants him to do. And and even in the things of my life that we view maybe as a no-brainer, And I still better go before God. Shall I pursue? And then he said, Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him. And he said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Now, when God said that, it's like God's got the gavel. You got my stamp of approval. You got my blessing. And and no matter what it looks like, God said, pursue, overtake, and recover all. So now here's the guy who just 24 hours earlier, he's facing the worst day of his life. And now all of a sudden, faith is resurrected. God has given him spiritual CPR right now. The the hopeless faith that was gone. All his hope is now back alive. It's incredible what happens when I get a rhema, when I get a spoken word from God. Now watch what happens. Verse 18. So David recovered all that the Malachites had carried away and David rescued his two wives Now listen, listen. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Let me ask you a little question here on that. What has the devil stolen from you? Marriage. Just, just dive into this with me just a little bit here. And, and he said there was nothing lacking. Either small or great. Whether it was a pair of socks or his wife. Nothing was lacking. Sons and daughters. Spoil or anything. Anything. See, I believe again, this is that ruddy in him, that warlike within him that said, when God gives me the the word, the rhema, I'm putting you on notice, devil. I'm, I'm not just coming back. I'm taking back everything you stole from me. And so every bit of this was from the enemy designed to stop David's destiny and his purpose. And the tool he was using here was the fear of man, the, the betrayal of man. You think about this in these lines here, that the Lord Jesus himself, he was betrayed by his own disciples. We're not exempt from betrayal. Turn with me to the New Testament, to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And I'm going to end with this. and This is a passage here about the Apostle Paul. And he's going to speak into this young pastor named Timothy's life. And I'm just going to read two little verses here, verse 6 and 7. And he says in verse six, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. Awake the gift of God that's in you, rekindle that fire that's within you. Don't, Don't allow that calling to go out. And he goes on to say, How? Through the laying on of my hands. That's the, the baptism of laying on of hands. And we do that in the name of Jesus, that we release that. Now, is there some gifts in you that have dormant, or, or maybe they've gone out? And you hear God saying, Stir up those gifts. Stir up those gifts. Evidently, the gift was going out because of the fear of man. Now listen, verse seven. For God has not given us the spirit of fear. One translation says, God has not given us a fear of man. The fear of God will prevent me from fearing man. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and the soundness of a mind. And so oftentimes one of the tools the enemy uses is our mind, and before long, it's like hell inside my head. That's the devil. And his design is to Keep you from filling that call or that destiny. And so when I go back and I look at all this, even Ziklag, it's a story of restoration. Don't ever underestimate the grace of God. Don't ever underestimate the, the Bible, the Word of God. That when God says, lay hands on folk and stir up the gift, you know what I believe He means? Exactly what He said. And so the word ready again. Do you need that warlike back stirred within you? And again, that's not aimed at people. That's aimed at the enemy. Ephesians 6, 12 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. The devil's vision statement is John 10, 10, I come to kill, steal and destroy. But the Lord Jesus came to give me life and that more abundantly. So when King David strengthened himself in the Lord, it would be like us saying, Whoa, greater is He's in me than he that's in the world. It'd be like me saying, if God be before me, who can be against me? It'd be like me standing here saying today, "Woo, for thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. And so many times, because the opposition and the intimidation of people, man, it gets me off track. Why don't you stand up here with me this morning? Thank you for not getting me fired. Do you know some of the symptoms of fear? Anxiety, stress, frustration, here's a good one, exhaustion, wow. He tries to make us timid, and this coward that I bow to the influence of people, the opinions of people. Just bow your head here with me right now. Again, I know this defines probably the majority of us in here. But something happens when I just respond to God and the Holy Spirit and say, that's me, Lord. That's me. So what would happen if we come down here just stood before God and said, Father God, I I repent for allowing fear, the fear of man. And remember Matthew 10, he said, don't fear. I've allowed the fear of man to dominate me. But then I come down here and say, Lord, I'm going to strengthen myself in you today. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to call out to you. I'm going to ask you to come in and Stir back up within me, faith in you, and hope in you, that you would resurrect my story, that you would breathe on me today. I believe those are the first things we need to do. Well, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. And if that's you today, and I, I welcome you, just come down here. Tell the Lord move within me. And I go back into my life, and this is what I sense God wanting you to do. And all the times you saw His faithfulness, and I saw you faithful here, and I saw you faithful there, and, and you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, God. And so, Lord, as, as the saints of God come marching down, Lord, we, we pray right now. Move within us. Go ahead and sing, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.